Amen. Praise be to God for the singing that we can do together as we are gathered together and for those who lead us in, in the corporate singing. Friends, when you hear the word... Let me start again. When you hear the word authority, what comes to mind? Someone who is in charge? Someone who has power? As, as human beings, we quickly uh, develop fears that authority means abuse or forceful control. So we find ways of, of diluting authority or distrusting authority or fearing the idea of authority or even rejecting authority. Eugene Kennedy and Sarah Charles wrote a book entitled Authority, the Most Distrusted Idea in America. Now, I haven't read the book. I read a quote from the book. I don't know if the book is good or bad, but the quote is interesting. Um, it says, healthy authority is not to overcome others, but to fuel the growth of people who feel safe with each other. Again, I don't know how good the book is, but again, the, the title surprised me. Authority, the most misunderstood idea in America. I thought the, the concept of authority is not just in, un, misunderstood in America. It's often misunderstood in the life of the church. And it starts with our understanding of God as authority over us. We have a hard time understanding that God has ultimate, absolute authority over us. On what grounds does He have that authority? Well, because He created us, He made us, He designed us in His image, He has rights over us because He owns us, and His authority over us benefits us. If it is for our good that God has authority over us, even though, friends, we don't always see it that way, do we? Well, within the life of the congregation, God has set an office of authority to lead each local congregation. And by the way, God sets up authority in all fears of life. The government over us as, as citizens of this nation he sets parents over children as authority. He sets, he sets the church as authority over our lives as members. But then in the life of the church, he, God sets an office of authority to lead each congregation. And this office is the office of overseers, as the title says it, elders or pastors, shepherds. As such, a human shepherd's God places over us are to mimic the great shepherd of the sheep. God's under-shepherds reflect and mimic the great shepherd. But that's not all. Human shepherds are not just called to follow the divine shepherd. Human shepherds are actually representatives. They represent the divine shepherd. This makes 
church government, even in a congregational setting, uh, different than a democracy? Because human leaders, friends, human leaders in the church are not supposed to represent merely the people. They're supposed to represent God. They act on behalf of God. So God shepherds His people through His Word and through the under-shepherds, human spiritual leaders whom God places to provide spiritual oversight for each church, for each flock. Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 to command and teach sound doctrine. Now, did you hear that? Not just to teach sound doctrine, but to command sound doctrine. God's Word, when it is faithfully uh, delivered by God's under-shepherds, comes with an authority, is given with the authority of God. God delegated this authority through the office of the overseers, elders, pastors, and shepherds. But how often we struggle to understand the authority God has placed over this office. Either because we, we've seen that authority abused, because even under shepherds are sinners. We've seen that authority abused, so we distrust it. Or because simply we don't like the idea that God entrusted spiritual authority in a specific group of leaders to lead each congregation. Or for some other reason, we just don't like it. So we prefer other human categories of leadership. Man-made ideas and models who, who spreads the authority so that it's not given to those who, whom God has called to shepherd each congregation. And yet, God has graciously set a specific category of uh, spiritual leaders to lead the church. Not to lord over the church, but to exercise God's care, to exercise God's love, to exercise God's protection over that congregation. This morning, I invite you to, to open Scripture to the book of Acts, chapter 20. We'll be reading from verse 17 to verse 38 as we consider the theme of what God calls elders to do. What God calls elders to do. If you did not bring your Bible, we encourage you to find a Bible providing the chair in front of you. On page number 929, this is the fifth time I'm reading this passage consecutively. We've been in this particular passage for five Sundays, talk, because it's so rich. It's so full of theological and biblical truth, and there's so much application to be drawn out of it. And we've been working through the book of Acts for quite a few, quite a few months now, but let's hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. Acts 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit 
not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course. And the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we pray that your word would speak to us once again. Speak to our hearts. Show us from your word what you have called elders to do. Help us as a congregation to understand these truths and cherish them. In the name of Christ we pray, and through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit among us. Amen. Amen. Since last week we talked, we looked more in detail at the question of who should lead the church. Who should lead the church? I ended that sermon last week, and I asked the congregation to consider the biblical practice of a plurality of elders. Specifically, I asked the congregation to consider making the distinction between deacons and lay pastors so that those whom the Lord calls to be elders should be recognized for that purpose, and those whom the Lord calls to be deacons should consider and continue to focus their attention on the diaconate work. Right now, I am the only elder you have recognized as such in this congregation, but I pray, but I pray that the Lord calls 
others and that the congregation would affirm other elders from among the congregation. I mentioned last week that this idea of church leadership is an important issue even though we don't hear much about it. It's important for three purposes I mentioned last week, uh, just, to, just to review. It's important because of what the church is. It, it belongs to God. It was obtained with God's own blood. It, it's important because of who makes church leaders be church leaders. It's the Holy Spirit who makes church leaders be overseers. And the third reason I gave was because of what church leaders are called to do. Because of what their job description is. That's why it's important for us to be thinking carefully about church leadership. Last week, I did not have time to, to talk about what church leaders are called to do. I said last week we would reserve that for today. So this morning, my message is what God calls elders to do. When we think about pastors or elders or, or deacons, um, we typically only consider the biblical qualifications for these two church offices. And these, church, these qualifications are in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But these qualifications are very important. But we should also consider what is the job description uh, that these offices are called to do. Uh, friends, churches don't have to come up with a job description for the, for the office of, of elders or pastors or, or overseers. God has done that for us. Actually, it's amazing how much the Bible speaks about the, the role of, of pastoring, the, Lord of, the, the role of shepherding, the, Lord of, lo, uh, the role of eldering. Books of uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus were given and written to a pastor to know how to, how to shepherd and what to teach and how to teach a congregation. Also, we have uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter wrote to the elders what to do and how to elder, how to shepherd. Acts 20 is one of the big passages that speaks clearly about the role of shepherding, of eldering. What are elders to do? I'd like to consider five truths from this passage. There are more than five in the Bible, but there are five in this passage that I'd like for us to consider what God calls elders to do. The first point, if you like taking notes, here's the first point. Elders are commanded to give careful oversight. Elders are commanded to give careful oversight. Look at verse 28. Paul speaks to these elders and he says to them, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Notice, notice that before giving oversight to the flock, elders are called to watch over themselves. Friends, this is an important detail. It's a very important detail. Elders are called to watch over their own lives. Friends, elders are not above the spiritual commands of Scripture. They must follow them as well. Actually, they must model them well. Elders are those who are good models of what the Christian life is all about. That's what elders do. They model the Christian life. Just because they are spiritual leaders does not mean that somehow they are insulated from sinful attitudes or weaknesses or traps. If anything, they are more attacked in them. And thus God's people should pray regularly for their spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders should watch carefully over their own lives. Just because pastors or elders serve God 
does not mean that God will be more lenient with their sins. Actually, quite the contrary. In 1 Timothy 5, 20, Paul instructs Timothy that the elders who persist in sin should be rebuked in the presence of all so that the rest may take fear. Actually, those who, who are called in this office are held to a higher spiritual standard and accountability. That's why they should watch over their lives. The watch of elders over themselves is not just over their own individual lives, individualistically, but they should watch over each other as elders together so that the accountability among the elders is, is way higher and more strong. This is one of the blessings of having a plurality of elders. Pastors keep each other accountable at the highest level of leadership. There's nothing to be hidden about our personal lives among elders. Nothing. But then elders are called by God to watch over the flock, to look closely at, this, um, at, at the flock. But, but look, look exactly how this command is given. They must pay careful attention to all the flock that is under their care. This means that there's no area of the flock over which elders don't exercise this oversight. Elders may not be involved in, in all areas, in all the details, uh, but they may, they may delegate some of that to deacons. They may some of that, delegate some of that to other members of the congregation, but they are responsible and give oversight to all the flock, to every aspect of the life of the flock. But there's an important an important implication here for, for the members. To watch over all the flock, elders must know who belongs to the flock. In order to all, watch over all the flock, not just over their close friends, not just over the people they like from the flock, they must watch over all the flock. That means they need to know who is all the flock. This is, this is one of the reasons why membership is, is so important. Who are the people over whom the elders must watch? And how can elders know who is all the flock if there's no sense of, of when someone belongs to the flock? Who belongs to their care? In our congregation, by, by God's grace, uh, by God's grace, we know who belongs to the flock. I have somewhere here in my Bible a, uh, a booklet. It's called the Membership Directory. This is all the flock over which God has asked me to watch. It has 93 active members. It has eight homebound members. It has 14 out-of-the-area members, meaning they moved away from Austin. They have not yet found the church which they are able to join, and they're still under our watch until they find a local church. By God's grace, Park Hills, we know who is all the flock. But friends, I want to let you know that I, I, keep this, I keep this directory in my Bible and open it regularly in my quiet times, work through these names, pray through them. I pray that God would grow each and every one of you in His grace. I remember things I know about you or things I know are going on in your lives. I try to pray for you for those things so that no sheep may escape 
on elders watch at Parkland's Baptist Church. This is one of the responsibilities. Pay careful attention over all the flock. Friends, when people refuse the idea of belonging to a church, they make it hard for shepherds to know who is all the flock. When someone becomes or, or refuses to become a part of, of all the flock and they just want to continue dating the flock, you know what I mean? And they, if they don't like it, they just date from one flock to another. We call that church shopping. It's also church dating and you never settle on a particular place where you actually belong and commit to. When, when, when Christians do that, it really makes it hard for shepherds to do what God commands them to do. Dear friend, if you're a Christian and do not belong to a church, please know this. God commands spiritual leaders to watch over you. You must belong somewhere. You must know that the spiritual leaders God has called on this planet have commanded to watch for all the flock. No sheep should remain off of a pastor's spiritual watch. But there are sheep who may not want to be watched. There are sheep who want to be alone. Leave me alone. Left alone to wander on their own. Friends, this is not God's design. If you are visiting us this morning, I encourage you, I encourage you, find a flock where you belong. Join it. If you're not able to join here, and we, we would love for you to be here, if you're not able to join here, find a flock that preaches the gospel and then submit to them. Join them. Belong to them. Because that, that's a job God gave to spiritual leaders. For all of us Christians, for all, all of us who are members of this congregation, I wonder, I wonder if we all understand that elders are called to pay careful attention to all the flock those who are in a local congregation over all aspects of the life of the church, this oversight must be diligent and done with care. This is the reason why I've devoted so much time to knowing who belongs to this flock and wanting to know what's going on with each member. Sometimes asking those questions are painful. Sometimes we don't like to ask those questions. And yet, that's what I'm asked by the Lord to do as an elder. And that's what all elders are called to do by the Lord. This is one of the distinctive job descriptions of elders. So the first command elders are given is to watch over themselves and over all the flock. The second command. Here's the second one. Elders are commanded to shepherd the church of God. To shepherd the church of God. Look again at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. For what purpose did the Holy Spirit make these elders to be overseers? Look at the rest of the verse. To care for the church of God. Now the phrase to care for the church of God can also be translated to shepherd the church of God. If, in other words, if the church of God was described as a flock, then overseers can be described as shepherds. It's, it's pretty... The logic is very simple. This means that elders are pastors. The elders of the church are pastors. They're called to do shepherding work. The pastors of the church are also elders. 
Actually, Paul, when he uses the qualifications for, elder, for pastors in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, he doesn't use the word pastor. He uses a, the word and label elder or overseer. Shepherding is so different than uh, the business models of an organization, of a business, a CEO model. Shepherding is so different than the management style of corporations. Now, don't get me wrong. There are valid and valuable leadership lessons that overlap and we can learn. But fundamentally, at its core, business leadership is different, very different than the leadership God calls in the church. Leading the church is about shepherding God's people. Someone who doesn't like to shepherd God's people is not called to be an elder or an overseer. He may love to be a leader. He may have great skills in being a leader. But if he doesn't love to shepherd God's people, he's not to be an overseer or a shepherd or an elder. Uh, sometimes we often think that just because someone has leadership skills or organizational skills, they should be shepherds or elders in the church. Friends, don't make that mistake. But what is shepherding? What is shepherding? Friends, shepherding means leading God's people and caring for God's people in order to build them up in the faith. Shepherding means leading God's people and caring for God's people in order to build them up in the faith. Now, this has a few, a few descriptions, this simple definition. Shepherding requires leaders to be with the people, to live among them, not in isolation, to know them, and for the, for the sheep to know the shepherd. That's why Paul says, look, look at verse 18 earlier. Paul says, you yourselves know how I lived among you from the first day I set foot in Asia. That's an important little description. Shepherding means that the sheep can see how a shepherd lives and the shepherd can see how the sheep live. That's why TV preaching or radio preaching, while it may be good in content, if it's good, if it's faithful to God's word, is actually not very effective shepherding because those shepherds don't see the sheep and the sheep don't see how the shepherd lives how the shepherd models Christian life before them. So TV or radio shepherding is very ineffective. Just an FYI. The shepherds know the sheep. The sheep know the shepherd and see the shepherd. Paul was among the flock. He ministered to them both publicly and privately. Shepherding means that elders are involved in the lives of people to build them up in the faith. Shepherding has a very specific goal. It's not just being with people being among them and, and being with them. But the goal is to grow people in maturing them into Christ-likeness. Uh, shepherds, friends, shepherds are not just social companions. They're not just good friends. They're not just social workers. They're more than that. Shepherds provide a spiritual compass. They provide spiritual care to achieve that goal of seeing others maturing in Christ. Paul said very clearly in Colossians 1.28, the verse that we use as, as, a, as a motto, as a mission statement for our congregation. Paul said in Colossians 1.28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. For what purpose? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then Paul says, for this purpose I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Shepherding 
is about seeing people, caring for people, in order to see them mature in Christ, grow in Christ. Friends, do you know someone who is, or you know someone who's called to be an elder when you see in him a passion to see other people grow closer to God? When he has a passion to see other believers grow in their love and obedience to God? When he has a passion to see other people grow in reflecting God more closely. Elders have this passion for the entire church, for all the flock, for every aspect of the flock. It is not just a desire, though. It's not just having a desire for that. Elders are those who actually seek that growth in others by discipling them, by teaching them, by challenging them, by equipping them, by spending time with them and helping them see how to live the Christian life. They disciple others for that purpose. They pray for that purpose. They teach the Word of God for that purpose of spiritual growth. The goal of shepherding is clearly expressed by Paul in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Paul says there, And God, or Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why did God give them? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, this is a purpose for which shepherds toil. This is a purpose for which shepherds watch and give oversight. This is the purpose for which shepherds teach and admonish and warn. So elders give their attention to equipping and discipling believers either privately or publicly. I love what Jeremy Ryan in a book um, entitled Church Elders says, Elders must resist the drift toward mere organizational managers and instead keep the congregational compass pointed toward maturity in Jesus. Shepherd, shepherding is challenging work, dear friends. Paul reminded them that in his own ministry in Ephesus, he was under threats. In verse 19, Paul says how he lived among them, serving the Lord with all humility. Not just with humility, with all humility. Now think of it this way. Paul is an apostle. He has the authority of the Lord to be an apostle by the Lord himself. And yet when he shepherds this flock, he shepherds with all Humility. Friends, authority doesn't mean abuse. Authority doesn't mean forceful control. If anything, if, uh, God's authority is also done with humility. It's not about us as individuals. It's about God's word that we must proclaim and make known. And then Paul says that his shepherding was not just with, with humility, but also with tears. Did you hear that? With tears. The Apostle Paul shepherded this church with tears. This is one of the things that, that often gets missed about shepherding or eldering work. It can involve tears, and it does, for various reasons. Can I tell you the most common reasons why shepherding involves tears and when the tears come? Some of the most painful experiences for shepherds is when they see sheep openly disobey the Word of God. 
the word of the God who made them sheep in the first place. And then to see these sheep stubbornly pursue other means or even walk away from the faith, that's incredibly painful. Tears. Trying to speak with people to, to, to align their lives with a, with a God who called them to be saints. It's painful work. It's risky work because they could fire you, right? If you try to do that to the wrong people, it's risky work. It's challenging work. But it's not just about employment. Don't worry about that. Paul was not worried about his employment. Shepherd should not be worried about employment. Shepherd the Word of God, but it, it involves tears. Elders are commanded to shepherd. That's why the Holy Spirit made them overseers. That's why elders are shepherds. There could be more said about just this particular command. Let's move on to the next one. Elders are commanded to protect against wolves and bad teaching. Elders are commanded to protect against wolves and bad teaching. Uh, we see this is, this is another imperative verb in verse 31. Paul says, therefore be alert. Be alert. This verb can also be translated, be awake. Why be alert? Why be awake? Because of the threats that come against the church. Two threats in particular that Paul mentions in this passage. First, danger from the outside. Look at verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This means that elders are commanded to fight wolves. That's why they must be alert. They must be awake. Wolves do not belong to the flock of God. They may appear in sheep clothing, but by their nature... They're not sheep. They're wolves. They don't love the sheep. They don't even know what it means to be a, a, a sheep of God. They don't know what it means to be a flock of God. They're wolves. They come to destroy. Second, danger from the inside. Bad teaching will arise. Look at verse 30 again. And from among your own selves. Wow. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them, teaching that they have a lot of truth, but it becomes twisted. It may not be the whole truth. It's only partial truth. Elders fight bad teaching. They fight the twisted, twisting of the truth. This indeed is one of the greatest tasks of discernment and alertness that elders must exercise, to know the Word of God so well that they can discern the twists that actually turn God's truth into error. One of the qualifications of elders in Titus 1.9 is that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. In other words, elders must know not only how to teach the word of God, they must know not only how to give instruction in the Word of God, they must also know how to contradict those who twist the Word of God. That's why when we think about making the distinction between the office of deacons and elders, friends, it's not just a change of labels. Can the prospective elders teach God's truth well and faithfully? Can they give instructions in sound doctrine? Do they care about the importance of sound doctrine? Can they discern when the truth is being twisted? Can they discern sheep 
from wolves or wolves from sheep. Elders must know the, the fundamental doctrines of the faith. They, they must know the key doctrines, such as our view of God. He is one and yet three. The Trinity is an important fundamental doctrine of the faith. Or the doctrine of Scripture, that the Scripture, the Bible, is the inerrant Word of God. Or that Christ is both fully God and fully human. Both parts are very important. Or the doctrine of the atonement, or the doctrines of God's grace, or the doctrine of salvation with the truth about regeneration, the truth about sanctification, the truth about justification, the truth about glorification, or the doctrine of election, or the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the sacraments, the doctrines of the end times. In other words, elders must be able to have a clear understanding of the fundamentals of the faith and why they are important. If the Word of God builds a church, elders must be able to teach sound doctrine and protect it from being twisted. So friends, be alert. Watching and shepherding requires discernment. Elders must know what are some of the common errors that are going on today. What are some of the common distortions of God's truth today? What are the tendencies that seem to be twisting God's truth today? Elders care and watch for those things. And they bring it to the attention of the congregation. Elders know the errors of the, of the history of the church so that we don't repeat the same mistakes again. And we are always, always inclined to repeat the mistakes of the past if we don't know the errors of the past. Elders care for such things because it's part of their God-given duty to fight wolves and to fight twisted teachings that arise within the congregation. Command number four. Command number four. Elders are commanded to warn and teach the Word of God. Elders are commanded to warn and teach the Word of God. How should these elders be alert? How should these elders protect against wolves and bad teaching? Well, it's by warning and teaching the Word of God. Look at verse 31. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. I was reminded this week um, by one of the fellow brothers among us that the word admonish is not very common today. So I thought that's a great point. Why would I? So I need to be careful. I looked at other translations. How do other translations translate this word, verse 31, that Paul, remembering that Paul for, for three years, night and day, did not cease to admonish. It's also warned. To warn, to give warning. Most translations actually use the, this word to give warning. So that the meaning is, I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. One of the priorities of elders is the ministry of warning. Giving warning and teaching the word of God to the flock. Of course, we should all teach the word of God to one another. Speak the word of God to one, to one another. But elders and pastors exercise their alertness by the ministry of warning and teaching. Paul did it day and night. This is the work of discipling, of knowing what's going on in people's lives, of pointing out the inconsistencies, of correcting them, of encouraging them in their growth in holiness. Notice that such admonitions included tears. Tears. Warning and teaching the Word of God with tears. You know what this means? 
It's that serious. It's that serious. It's worth shedding tears for to do it well. Shepherding is not just about giving a sermon once a week. Shepherding is about being engaged with a flock, not simply attending social events. It's about discipling people, instructing them in the ways of God, warning them, teaching them, correcting when necessary, encouraging them to live their lives for the sake of Christ. The elder's greatest resource for shepherding is the Word of God. The one skill, the one skill requirement for elders, besides all the character requirements, is that they must be able to teach the Word of God. Elders teach the Word of God not simply for the sake of information, but for the sake of spiritual transformation. That's why we teach the Word of God, not to show how wise we are and how much Bible knowledge we, ha we have. We teach the Word of God for the sake of spiritual transformation. Why is teaching such an important aspect of eldering? Because God rules over His people by His Word. Remember? God shepherds us first through His Word and then through His under-shepherds. But the only tool, the best tool that under-shepherds have is the Word of God. I, I don't have the means of convincing you to run away from sin. I don't have the means on my own. But I have this. It's the Word of God who's able to divide, who's able to pierce, who's able to show light into a dark spot of your life. It's the Word of God that has that power. So God calls shepherds to warn and teach God's Word. So who are the people who regularly teach and apply God's Word to our lives, both publicly but also privately? Who are the leaders who tend to bring up the Word of God for whatever life situation we're going through? Who are the men in our congregation who tend to always ask this question first, what does the Word of God say about this? Let's look at Scripture about this situation. How can we learn from Scripture how to, how to move forward in this area? Elders are busy with expounding God's Word to God's people and help them apply it to their lives. That's what makes shepherds different than seminary professors. Seminary professors may teach God's truth for the sake of teaching God's truth. Shepherds teach God's truth for the sake of spiritual transformation of the sheep, for spiritual feeding of the sheep. That's why in verse 32, Paul committed these elders to God and to the word of His grace. Look at verse 32. Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Friends, elders are those among us who go to Scripture for guidance, who use Scripture for the building up of the church. Elders are confident that the word of God and His grace is able to build us up. The first question that elders ask is what does Scripture have to say about this? So, who are the members in our congregation whom you trust with expounding the Bible faithfully and holistically and who seek to apply the Bible for all areas of the Christian life? When Paul speaks about warning and teaching the Word of God, there's a serious and a weightness in his voice. Look at verse 26. He, he sort of declares to them, this is the last time Paul will see them. So Paul says to them, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. Do you hear that? You hear the weightiness of the statement? That I am innocent of your blood? I mean, can you imagine a pastor, his last sermon given to the congregation, say, I am innocent 
of the blood of all of you. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? Perhaps that's because even we pastors forget about the seriousness and about the responsibility and about the, the weightiness of giving God's word fully to the congregation. I wonder how many pastors, I wonder how many pastors or shepherds or elders will be guilty on the day of judgment of the blood of the sheep they have shepherded because they have not declared to them the whole counsel of God. Only half-truths, only, only, only certain truths that were convenient. They haven't done that because either they were afraid of people or because they were greedy for success. And the whole counsel of God may not always build the church very quickly. Elders understand that warning and teach God's word. And, and, and this is not an option for them. It's their duty and calling to the flock. Failing to teach failing to, or teaching only partially the will of God will bring guilt on the teachers. Last point, elders are commanded to, sac- to be sacrificial and hardworking. Elders are commanded to be sacrificial and hardworking. Being a, an elder involves hard work. This means that an elder should be free from the love of money, free from greed. In Ephesus, the circumstances required Paul to be bivocational or, or non-vocational. He was willing to do so in order to provide for his necessities and the necessities of those around him so he would not be a burden, financial burden, for this newly planted church. Elders must show their serving and their sacrificial love by not loving money. And money should not be a deterrent. You know, if, if something happened to us as a congregation and, and uh, you know, half of this congregation would be in some sort of a you know, plane accident or whatever, and you would not be able to to continue to provide for the salary of, of, a, of a vocational pastor. You know, I, I would find a job at Starbucks or some other place to work during the week, and we would continue to go on. You understand that? It's not, I mean, it's, it's seriously, because it's not the money, and it should never be the money. And elders are not only those whom the church is able to pay. The vocational Elders, it's a great blessing if a church is able to provide, and, and, and Scripture teaches that churches should, if they're able to, should provide for the, for, the, for the finances of those who commit themselves vocationally to the ministry. But if the church is not able to do so, with God's grace, the church needs to be able to, to have shepherds and lay elders without necessarily paying. And we should not limit the number of elders or vocational pa- or, or pastors only to the number of 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 salaries we're able to pay out. So friends, that's why as a church, I pray that we would find more elders and shepherds, not necessarily for the sake of employing, but for the sake of shepherding, because at the heart of the matter, a shepherd should be free from the love of money. Five things we saw in this text about what God calls elders to do. Five things. To give careful oversight over themselves and over all the flock. To shepherd the church of God by being with the sheep, loving the sheep, nurturing spiritual growth among the sheep. To protect against wolves and bad teaching. To warn and to teach the word of God in an edifying way. To be sacrificial and hardworking. Friends, these are responsibilities that are weighty. 
they belong to the elders of the church. While we should desire each, for each of us to be doing some of these things on our own and, and wanting to see that happen among the members, among the deacons, among all those who lead in various ways, or we should see these responsibilities flourish, at the end of the day, these responsibilities are a duty and a primary emphasis and priority for those who are called to elder and shepherd and oversee. This past Thursday, I gave the deacons um, some descriptions of what that looks like in the life of our congregation. Some of the things we have, uh, we have done, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, we're discussing these issues and, and working through them in, in more details. But there's no area that does not come under the careful attention of the elders. They may not do all the details, but they're responsible to pay careful attention to all the flock of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit made them to be overseers and to shepherd the church of God. Friends, I've been doing these responsibilities as an elder of you, as an elder of this congregation. And I've done it even in the absence of plurality of other elders. I've asked the deacons to come and help me in this role because these responsibilities should not be done alone, should not be done by one, by one person alone. And I've asked the deacons to help me in this area even though the Bible doesn't ask the role of a deacon to be actually exercising those things. But my question to the congregation is why would we not want to have more elders devoted to this work? If we see the benefit of, of a plurality of deacons, we, we don't have a problem with having multiple deacons to help the, 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 the material needs of the church. Why would we have a problem with having a plurality of shepherds who are supposed to be doing all the shepherding work? And some of the deacons are already doing shepherding work. So, and, and there might be others in the congregation who might be doing shepherding work. And I pray that as we move forward in the future, God may raise other shepherds in the future, and we would see them as such, and appoint them, and assign them, and affirm them, recognize them as being devoted primarily to the work of shepherding. One of the most important aspects of the life of any church is the spiritual leaders the church chooses to follow. The church would be spared of so many troubles if he chose to follow only those shepherds, only those leaders whom the Holy Spirit makes as overseers over the church. And if those shepherds would be a plurality made of a vocational and non-vocational elders, combination of both, it would spare the flock of so many, even abuses by one shepherd alone. Even that alone can be so, such a protection for the church. Members, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant of who it is that God calls you to follow and submit to. It's not just one person. It's not just one person, but a plurality of elders. Let's really return to the simple model that God designed for the church. It's a simple model. It should, not, it should be a plurality of elders whom the Holy Spirit made them as overseers, called them to shepherd the church of God, so I'm asking you as a congregation, let's find these people among us. Let's examine them carefully. Let's affirm them willingly. And let's follow them, trusting in God's shepherding over us through the shepherds God sets for us. One pastor said this, it's a, spiritual, it's a serious spiritual deficiency in a church either to have leaders who are untrustworthy whom you cannot trust. That's a spiritual deficiency. And friends, there'd be many situations like that. I get it. I understand. 
Somebody said, trust must be earned. It's a spiritual deficiency in a church if it has leaders who are untrustworthy. It's also a, spiritual, a serious spiritual deficiency in a church to have members incapable of trusting. We saw, see today what God has called elders to do. Find them. Find them among yourselves. Examine them. Choose those whom you are able to trust. Those whom have proven their trustworthiness to be shepherds. Those who have proven their love for the sheep. Friends, it's not those who love eldering or shepherding. It's those who love the sheep that are good elders. There's a difference between loving to be a shepherd and loving the sheep. Find those who love the sheep and love to care for them and grow them spiritually and are able to do that, whom are gifted by the Lord to teach God's Word, to protect God's flock. Find them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you remind us in your, true, in your Word the truth of what you have called the elders, the shepherds, the pastors to do. Father, I pray that you would increase them among us. Thank you for those who are already doing shepherding work among us. Thank you for the way you have gifted this church with so many great spiritual leaders. Father, I pray that we would recognize them, examine them, and, and, and assign them, put them aside, and trust them to lead. Lead us into the way your word teaches us so that your church may flourish, so that your church may be protected from the wolves, from the twisted truths, that we may be protected from so much error and, and faltering, so that we may indeed be a church that displays the character of God and the power of the, po power of the message of the gospel in our lives. Pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.